BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Okay, guys, welcome. We hope you enjoyed Surfiel's interview of, of me oh, that yeah. I actually posted up today. And John is nodding his head. But we're going to interrupt that right now because I'm still preparing these excellent questions that I'm going to ask Surfiel next week. But this week, we have John Brooks and Kelly Baker from the Pod Only Knows podcast. And uh, John was with us back in April, and he did an excellent presentation that is on our Patreon site that if you're a $10 and up Patreon, you can get right now if you really, really want to. But um, it was very excellent. So John, welcome back to Conspiranormal. And Kelly, welcome to Conspiranormal. First time guest. Thanks for having us back. Yeah. We're having John back. And- <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I want you to know that um, John, like, completely cold emailed me out of the blue. I get emails sometimes. always like, who is this person? Like, come on. No idea who this is. And I read it and I was like immediately intrigued. I was like, yes, that is a topic that I want to cover. And so I emailed him back, I think after a couple of days and had him on and that was a excellent episode that we did and through that he told me about your podcast uh pod only knows and Mm -hmm. now it's a pretty regular podcast that i've been listening to with you guys i think you guys are awesome thank you i think you guys are posting like twice a week is that correct once every two weeks and then we will we do at least once a month a little um saturday fun topic episode that the two of us just talk about something that is on our mind or interests us that we call the Saturday chit chat episode. I was going to um, wait for it. You have to call it the chit chat episode. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. So three, three times a month. And that's pretty much kind of what we've mm-hmm. been doing um, lately as well. Um, but I'm pretty impressed by the podcast. I really like it. I enjoy it. Uh, you guys got you. Um, some good chemistry. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's talk a little bit about, John and Kelly, what motivated you guys to do this podcast? And John, we should also say that if you, if no one has heard the interview that you and I did a few months ago, um, that you actually had the podcasting for a while, but you've now mm-hmm. kind of 
shifted gears and changed names of your podcast. So we talk a little bit about that history as well. Yeah, Kelly, you want to explain why we're doing? <laughs> I think you should tell the history of uh, Hard to Believe first, and then we sure. can talk about Pod Only Knows. I think we have to do sure. chronology here. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as I was mentioning, like right before we started recording, I inadvertently started Hard to Believe right when the pandemic started. Um, I did not know there was going to be a pandemic and uh, did not mean for that those two, two things to intersect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd done some like uh, I did a podcast with my friend Joey Lewandowski like years and years and years ago. We had no idea what we were doing. It was a lot of fun. Somebody else like edited and produced it for us and everything. And like then I had kids. Right. And so um yeah after a while i sort of wanted to have a space to talk to some of the people that i found really interesting and explore the kind of space of like religion and the supernatural kind of like i mean adam sort of you know your your you know your inspiration for doing this podcast um yeah. as well mm -hmm. right like mostly it was a selfish way to like get free books and talk to people i think are cool <laughs> you know? yeah, for sure um <laughs> but i also kind of like i wanted to expand the sort of definition of what religious studies is and 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 really dig into like the way that beliefs kind of show up in different ways right within um culture both like popular and otherwise um, so that, you know, led me to like things about conspiracy theories and, um, and, and urban legends and religion and, and everything kind of, um, in that space. Uh, so Kelly, Kelly and I first talked like a few years ago. Um, we sort of, we have people sort of in the same circles, I think, like yeah. a lot of the people that, yeah, that she kind of like follows and knows the people that I kind of follow and know. Um, and then somehow like, uh, I mean, I'd known Kelly's work um, beforehand, uh, and and so she was a guest on my show. Um, we're both Leos. We both have a very similar. Yeah, it's some big Leo energy on the show. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take it doesn't take long. Well, to I am that. A, I'm a Leo as well. <gasps> uh, Amazing. Serfiel so is surrounded right now. So yeah. Sorry, Sergio. You guys got got all the attention for sure. I, I I really apologize. So uh yeah, I mean, sort of over the last I don't know year or so, um I just was feeling a lot of burnout, and I I, I do another podcast. Um, it's totally different, sort of. It's a movie podcast. It's a totally different realm, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but I, I I really learned how much easier it is to work like with somebody else. <laughs> uh on something and i kind of like i knew that kelly had sort of flirted with the idea of starting a podcast for a long time um <sighs> and yeah. you know we we'd appeared together on a couple different things and um and i was just like i, I kind of want to refocus more towards like religious studies and so i i emailed her in like the winter and i was like I kind of want to, <laughs> I kind of want to transition into a two-person podcast. Do you want to? Do you want to do it with me? So I don't know. I was going through Kelly's head at the time. She can pick that part up. But yeah, um, yeah that's that's how that that's how that happened. Yeah, no, I I'd wanted to get into the kind of podcast sphere for a while. I just wasn't sure how to approach that, and I knew I wanted it to be about 
what my PhD is in. And that's where I've put a lot of professional capacity, but I wanted to do it more in a kind of casual space. I didn't want it to be academic-y. I didn't want to just talk to other academics because um, I've done that already. I wanted to talk <laughs> to a larger audience and I wanted to do it in a way that was more chit-chatty and more engaging and that people could learn a lot, but could do it in a way where it's fun and we laugh a lot and we have a good time so that it could be serious, but it could also be irreverent at times too. Um, so when John reached out to me, I was like, sure, why not? Like, wh- what do I have to lose? Like, I could be a podcast host. Why not? <laughs> right? Like, how hard can it be? It's a lot harder than it seems. But like, at the moment, I thought, sure, why Why don't we do this? And like John said, he and I have kind of been circling each other in these um, different arenas for a while. And the couple times that I was on um, Hard to Believe, which was his previous show, and then I actually was even on the 99, which is his other podcast that he mentioned, um, was okay. a lot of fun. And we were able to sort of talk with each other. And I thought it really worked out. Um, So with Pot Only Knows, we kind of wanted to take the great stuff about hard to believe this talking about religion, talking about it in a fun way, but also a serious way um, and bring in religious scholars and kind of make them play in the same sandbox with us. Right. Which kind of (laughs) takes them out of what they're used to doing in a lot of ways that they're not necessarily hip to this in um, the ways that maybe they should be, but it gets them to talk about their work for a larger audience and tell us about why it's relevant and why we should care about it and what's going on right now that we should really be paying attention to. Um, So it's a lot of fun, actually, to kind of get them in a different arena than what they're used to um, and to get them to deal with both of us. Too, um, which I'm not sure they're entirely prepared for either. I kind of feel like I should apologize ahead of time where I should be like, we're both a nah, lot. They love it. They yeah, love it. but we're a lot. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, also true. Um, those two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that that's kind of what we, um, what we try to do is to talk about religion, but to talk about it in smart and funny ways um, and to just get a bigger audience thinking about this and maybe in ways that they haven't before um, and try to be as engaging about that as possible um, instead of really kind of in a way that, you know, shuts down conversations. Instead, we want to start them. Mm-hmm. Getting Can stuff talk- out of the silo of academia and into more popular framework. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the, the, the space, like the, the religious uh, podcast space is, is very strange because the majority of it, like 90% of it, right. is like evangelical Christian sort of, um, you know, like praise podcasts or like, you right. know, prosperity gospel sort of stuff. And, and then there's like the, the, the people who take either like a very, and I, I mean, I, I love some of them. I listen to some of them, but there's the ones that like, um, you know, take a very specific topic in religious history or studies and sort of dive deep into that. And that's great. Um, but there's just not a lot for sort of taking a um a sort of broader you know perspective on it and doing so in a way that is not super duper you know we're serious people but like and and we you know we talk about serious things seriously but i i think both of us as sort of people who are in this religious studies world but also kind of outsiders to religion right have that sort of yeah 
that that sort of perspective of like knowing how to like what angles get people interested and into it and i think that's really important and it's you know i i just feel like the the podcast <laughs> saturated as it is with like everything um yeah. really has a has a need for that uh, that space yeah so you guys are conversational kind of we really try to be conversational um and try to make sure that um that's what we're doing as a conversation that we don't want yeah. someone that's monologuing right that we don't want somebody that's lecturing to us um <laughs> that, that that's not what the moment should be for our guests right that we want yeah. them to sort of be moving along with us and talking with us and not talking at us and we don't want to be talking at them either um so that it always it's like my favorite time because we just have really fun conversations really smart conversations with people who were really interesting and are doing really cool work. Um, and like one of our running jokes is that before every episode, I'm like, I'm so excited today because of this person. <laughs> and I think I say that before every episode and there hasn't been an episode where I haven't said it because I'm just like genuinely like hyped <laughs> that we get to talk to these people every single time and I have no chill. Yeah. So I'm not able to like tone it down in any way yet um maybe That's someday good. but don't, i doubt it <laughs> don't lose it can we talk a little bit about your background in religious studies so this is kind of a two-part question it's going to lead to my next question but i know john a little bit is there a particular area in religious studies that um you focus on specifically or, or is it more general i mean what what interests you the most so I actually have a PhD in American religious history. So my training is in our religions in America, kind of more broadly. Um, I am interested in the 20th century. I am pretty much focused on the contemporary. Um, what tends to interest me the most is, I think, stuff that would make most people uncomfortable. So my work tends to be on religious intolerance, um, religious violence, apocalypticism, occasionally zombies, often hate groups, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so all the really, really pleasant topics in religious studies. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. is what I tend to work on. Um, I don't know that excited is the right word, um, but that tends to be <laughs> where the bulk of my research is. I'm also just kind of generally interested in um, the kind of stories that people tell about religion and how they narrate these stories, like what's going on with how we put together the religious worlds and the kind of stories that we tell about them. Um, but that's like high-level nerdiness on my behalf there, so... All right, John. Yeah, you dodged yeah, it. and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that like Kelly is really sort of an expert on um, is is kind of foreign to me, and vice versa. So like I, you know, I'll, I'll talk I'll talk about some verse in the Bible, and she'll be like, "What the hell are you talking?" You know, um, I will because so I Kelly, don't know. <laughs> Kelly's not a biblical scholar, uh, no. and I'm not either. But like, that's more my 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 avenue. So you know, I am my my study in college, my undergraduate was like mostly in religious history, sort of global history, um, and and you know, I I, I in theology and the philosophy of religion and that sort of thing as well. Um, so you know, I'm coming more from sort of like the internal guts of religion, whereas like Kelly is 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 someone who sort of understands more of like the way that it 
operates, right? Like in, especially in the modern world and this affected sort of modern, modern events. And like, there's certainly a lot of overlap, like certainly some of that stuff is, you know, Mm -hmm. things that I've studied as well, but um, we definitely have kind of different perspectives on (laughs) what we studied when it comes to religion, which is like really helpful actually, because yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like both of those really complement each other. They do. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that's, that's that's real handy but like yeah we we had one of um one of kelly's friends as a guest to talk about um you know ancient magic and and oh my goodness and it was great and then like she and i started talking about this one excerpt from the the uh, gospel of mark and she's like what are you like why does jesus yell at a tree and i'm like oh no it's great it's this this part where he just starts magic for yeah, no, but it, but it is one of those things where every once in a while, John will be like, you know, this story from the Bible. And I'm like, no, actually, yeah, I don't no, like yeah. time out. Like it's we have to go house. through this. This is not, yeah. this is not what I do, friend. Um, I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy Kelly one of those illustrated children's Bibles. So she can catch oh up. my goodness. Yeah. It would be amazing. It'll be my reference text <laughs> for the podcast where I'll be um, like, hold please while I flip through this. <laughs> hold, I remember this picture. Please. There it is. You can find the whole King James version on Spotify if you really look. It's it's there. <laughs> That's true. All the, That's yeah. true. All the these you, and thous. You yeah. can go to bible.com and you can literally have it read to you in any version. Like it's 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 pretty cool. They have an audio file for every single translation of the Bible, which is I could which is pretty pretty handy. Or, That's free. Or, or not. <laughs> or I could let John explain yes, things to me right. still. That's so. literally that's why I'm here. So so yeah. Kelly, you're more interested in how religion affects the modern world and especially 20th century America. I am. And, and and I yeah, and I was trained as a historian. So okay. you know, right. so much of my work is thinking about historical narrative, it's thinking about timing, it's thinking about what people are doing in particular times and places. Um, you know, I used to tease my students who would come to me and they'd be like, the Bible says, and I'm like, huh, the Bible doesn't talk, right? Like, and then I would like move along, right? Not to like <laughs> entirely discount them, but also because like I don't really deal with biblical texts. Mm-hmm. I deal with historical actors who talk about it, you know, but it's yeah. not really like what I do, but you're exactly right. I'm it's not entirely what I'm interested in at all. Um, and so it is interesting when John is able to do this, where he's like, oh, you know this story. And I'm like, I vaguely know this story. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, like, yeah. you're concerned of the influence that it yeah. has. That I am. Has right. Yeah. On, on, on the modern world and on modern American society. Yeah. And John is much more uh, looking at the historical, looking at the ancient. Because, you know, the way... John heard of this show was because we had interviewed um, the guy from history in the Bible. Okay. And uh, that's how he, he heard of us. And yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, As an aside, I wanted to ask you both a thought that just came to me Um, in your professional lives um, teaching. Do you have to be careful about some of the things that you talk about with your students? I mean, how does that, how does that manifest? And I, I think, John, you teach secondary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like Kelly doesn't doesn't teach anymore, at least right now, right now. Um, but yeah, it is a very tricky field to teach in just kind of in general. Like, I don't think it really matters what level you're teaching at. You can teach religion basically in two different ways, right? There's 
you know, nuns telling you what to believe, <laughs> uh, etc. Right? Or or there's there's you know teaching about religions and and teaching sort of the world religion religions right sort of um, perspective. And I am very upfront with my like my students will sometimes ask me like what what I believe and and I will tell them like I I'm not. A, there's no good answer to that, and B, like I'm not gonna get into it because that I don't. That's a conflict of interest, kind of, right? Yeah, um, and and so yeah, I mean, it's of course it's a it's a it's an incredibly tricky uh, thing to teach, and 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 you know, it's, it's like Adam. I think we we kind of talked about this when I was on with you last time. It, it's it's sort of like there's no other field where someone's perspective on it is like the basis for their entire life right right um and so like that makes it just something that is it's just difficult to teach but i think that's also like part of if you studied religious studies academically it's something that you kind of learn like you know just sort of like through your professors and like the way that they teach things you kind of learn how to um approach it that way but like yeah I, like i've gotten angry emails from parents before sure <laughs> like <laughs> i mean not regularly and like not as regularly as you might think but but sure yeah it, it it happens you are it is it is something where you're going to no matter what you say right you are going to upset someone's yeah impression of it especially because even with something like christianity like the way that christianity exists in modern america is so varied that like no two people right. are going to have the same the same christianity so you know I, to me um it's i always it's always about like not proselytizing um which is easy for me to do because i have nothing to proselytize about right like i just don't um right. and 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 it is about sort of you know challenging people to like question their uh, assumptions and 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 all that sort of thing but um i i will say that like the feedback that i've gotten over the years from students especially students like who are students of faith have always told me um when they when they feel inclined to do so that my class has like strengthened their understanding of their faith and like that is really like i don't again I don't care. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not there to do that, but I'm glad that like that is the that that is the response. Right. Like that's reassuring because that's certainly what I would like prefer, right? Um or even someone who's like happy to be like now I'm an atheist. I'm like great. I'm like whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if that's something that you're happy with and you came to on your own then then um then it's very cool. But yeah, I mean it's a uh it's a minefield but it's a minefield even like even in podcasting about it right like yeah just ask anybody with a religion <laughs> podcast <laughs> like yeah. it is you are gonna get uh, angry comments and uh yeah. yeah yeah i'm waiting for my in-laws to discover our podcast <laughs> and then be the ones writing in about this to us about how they one star about this and one star yeah. how yeah. dare she Shelly, uh, i mean as a uh, professor as a teacher have you run across the same thing that john is talking about yeah no i think you know i taught primarily um at colleges and universities and so i didn't deal with high school students like john was dealing with i dealt with college students who um 
you know, who could be really sensitive about this in the same way that John is talking about, because religion could be the centerpiece of how they understood their lives. And so I took that very seriously. Um, At the same time that I taught classes on religious hatred in the United States, um, so that we were dealing with religious people often at their worst. And so that could be really hard for students to process where they don't want to think of religion in this way, right? That they want to assume because they find religion good, that religion is inherently good, or they want to assume that some religion is inherently bad. And I would throw something at them where I'm like, you know, religion is what people do with it. And then they would not know what to do entirely with something like that. Um, But yeah, it would, it would often be really hard and very tricky. And that was before the current political climate. Um, So I can't imagine trying to teach where I live now in Florida, some of the classes that I used to teach where religion and racial hatred in the United States in Florida, like, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, I I don't think I, I don't know that I would be able to teach a class like that now um, in the same way that I used to teach it um, years ago. Um, but yeah, it was it was always one of these like balancing act that you had to have where you're trying to get through that subject matter, trying to present this stuff while also trying to keep, keep it at least the forefront of your mind that um, this stuff matters a lot and that we have to, or at least I did, I felt like I had to be very respectful of that and to think through what it meant about how I put together things and how I approached it. And, um, you know, podcast Kelly, who's a little more reverent was not classroom Kelly generally. Um, (laughs) you know, um, it was a a different kind of space there, um, about how I handle myself. Right. Um, different Mm -hmm. with students, but yeah, it, it was, I mean, it's a different world now, I would say for collegiate teaching of religious studies, um, especially depending on what state you're in, that (laughs) it's gotten a lot hairier and a lot more difficult, um, depending on who your governor is. Yeah. I couldn't imagine (laughs) what it's like. Um, I mean, it was bad enough, I think for teachers on like the secondary level, you know, right. with COVID and the pandemic, yeah. <laughs> right. having to make all those adaptations. And now it's just, and I'm sure this falls definitely within your field, Kelly, that the real kind of right wing just upsurge and the, you know, especially in your state with the list of banned books. Yeah. And I, I couldn't imagine what yeah. it's like for, for teachers now. No, I mean, there's a reason there's a chronic teacher shortage, right, in Florida, um, and that they're still trying to find teachers and school starts in a few weeks, right, and they can't find folks for classrooms. It's shocking, really. It's not shocking, but, you know, that they're very much shocked by it. Even even in the like you know sapphire blue northeast where I live, right, it, it definitely has gotten you know has gotten worse. And and like I have I have begun to notice the encroachment, like the the empowerment and kind of entitlement that sometimes you know parents feel to just go straight to the teacher and just like call them out, um, which never used to happen before. But like you know I I've, <laughs> I'm I'm lucky that I work in an institution where like you know attendance is voluntary (laughs) um i don't have a state apparatus breathing down my neck and i have a very like supportive um uh administration who who who, you know 
generally takes the side of the teacher first like that's their instinct and that's really great but like i you know last or two years ago i got an email from uh, an angry email from a parent for um discussing karl marx in a way that was not openly hostile like like you know like it's that sort of thing right and like that would never ever happen before a couple of years ago it just wouldn't yeah. um but but yeah so like I just a little bit important to history in general to history and religion and like the history of the church Everything. in the 20th century uh <laughs> yeah. just a tiny bit though just a I tiny mean, just bit a tiny and like bit. I didn't start by saying Karl Marx is an evil mastermind who destroyed, you know, like, and that's, I think was, you know, and I was like, actually, here's some observations that he made and you can decide what you want about like what they are. But, um, that is a bridge too far for, uh, for some parents these days. So yeah, it sucks. And there's, I mean, there definitely have been times again, even in my fairly sort of isolated, um, and privileged position that i'm in where i've like been like i'm quitting today like i can't do this anymore um so i can't even begin to uh to imagine what it's like for for public school teachers in certain <laughs> southern states um just and just elsewhere. teach out of the john birch society curriculum oh, <laughs> so, oh, so that brings me to the second part of the question <laughs> topics that you cover on the show um how does your religious studies background how does that give you a unique outlook as opposed to like us we're not trained in religious studies i mean like you know i guess yeah. both of us kind of doubt but having those degrees and being immersed in it and having written some of the things that you guys have written how does that give you an advantage to look at the topics that you've covered on the show and I guess you could include heart even that too, not necessarily just well, part. Because I think yeah. that a lot of the show and the guests you guys have on is really about the pulse of spirituality in the world and of the times, because it's not static at all. And we're living in an especially vibrant time with with all these permutations of mainstream and fringe religions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll start. So, so, I mean, a couple of the episodes we've done have been like straightforward with like religious studies people. Um we i think are both interested in sort of picking apart more kind of um relevant modern contextual parts of that right so like when we talk about you know the history of like white supremacy and yoga and that sort of thing and like you know we could do a podcast about yoga practice like that's something you could do um but you know i think we we also both have maybe me a little bit more so than Kelly, but I know Kelly to some degree, like an understanding of like basic tenets of Hinduism and that sort of thing. Right. right. Um, where, where we can sort of um, kind of skip that part. Right. And, and, and get to um, just sort of like, you know, get th through the basics and then talk about what's interesting, but then also, yeah, I mean like the, a few of our other guests, you know, like Mike Rothschild um, and like Toby Ball, like when we talk about, anti-semitism um and sort of the anti-semitic conspiracy trope and um and and you know i think kind of bring our understanding of like judaism sort of into that um or with toby you know it's it's something where he has been doing this amazing podcast about the history of sort of the ufo phenomenon for the last three years and um you know uh kelly especially like the way that <laughs> you know that th those kinds of 
sort of cultural phenomena have sort of spilled over into the American religious landscape, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think like a, it, it, when we talk about what guests we want and what topics we want to cover, like when we talked about The Last of Us, like we did a whole <laughs> a conversation about that. I think both of us are like, I like the religion angle about this thing. So like, let's just, let's just talk about it. Right. right? And, right. and, and, and sort of like shove the religion fork into it. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <So you laughs> like how that, how that, that informs part. whatever the topic is. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's kind of the way that we've approached most of these is that the religion angle is what guides us. Right. So that it's one of those where we can both watch the last of us, but also get to a certain point in that show and be like, wait, did you notice this part? Right. (laughs) Did you see this? Like we have to talk about this, right. Because of these sorts of things that happen in this. Um, So it's one of those where I feel like that training in religious studies means that we are like honed to find religion in unexpected places sometimes. Um, And we're also a little bit ready to have conversations that aren't the 101 conversations, right? So John mentioned the conversation about yoga. So that um, conversation with Srina Gandhi, which was a great conversation, was not Hinduism 101, right? It wasn't us going through and sort of explaining that. Instead, it was like a hard hitting conversation that covered things (laughs) from like yoga and white supremacy to caste. Um, And it very much was because we already have some of that background. And so we're not there to do the 101 piece, which other podcasts are doing and doing really well. Um, But that's not necessarily the kind of conversations that we want to have in some kind of way, right? We're trying to do something that's a little bit, um, I don't want to say elevated, because I don't like the way it feels, (laughs) but I'm going to say elevated. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys can't see my face or maybe you can, but like, it's one of those <laughs> where I was like, maybe like this really cringy look, but, um, but yeah, no, it's something that's just, I was going to say a step up, but that makes me like feel cringy too. So I'm just going to stop talking now. I, I well, think also though, like as our, as our history, as our history as, as teachers, like one of the things that we also are sort of cognizant of is that like you don't necessarily have to understand sort of everything that we're talking about, but I definitely like want it to be interesting to literally anybody who's listening. And so I think that we're both kind of sensitive to when we are both kind of aware that like, this is something that probably people don't know that we try and give a little bit more context to that. That's right. Um, But also like, we're just not, you know, we're not interested. Like you don't have to know anything. I think going into listening to our podcast and i think that if you learn more about it you'll probably get more out of it and if you you know like if you want to then great and if you're inspired to then great but like um trying to find that balance of like not having to like hold someone's hand through this topic but then also sort of like talk about things that they can relate to like everybody knows like what yoga looks like in america and so like having a voice of someone who can speak to the kind of cultural history of that Right. right is like that's your entry point and 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 i think we're we're always kind of looking for people who are familiar with like popular culture <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Speaking, no it right, is to, it is yeah. that it really is um yeah we definitely have a, a pop culture um yeah. side to what we're doing that's mm-hmm. a part of this a- and a politics piece that's very yeah, clearly that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like well, in- we in popular culture and politics, especially right now and in the media landscape and everything, 
just like ideology is underlying in so many things, but a lot of people don't understand the ideological underpinnings of so much stuff. Same with what you guys are looking at, the impact of belief systems and these things right. that are behind so much stuff that is decontextualized and people don't really understand what's at the root of. Yeah, I, I can understand what you guys are saying and that you don't feel that you need to give a whole thing about Hinduism 101, because if you did, I mean, you would spend the entire podcast just explaining yeah. that. Right. And we're the yeah. same way. <laughs> I mean, people have to know when they listen to this show, they have to know what we're talking about. So, yep. for instance, this thing on my shirt, the Flatwoods Monster, yep. if I reference the Flatwoods Monster, <laughs> I'm not going to explain everything that happened. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> monster. I'm gonna just say the Flatwoods monster. That was a weird thing, and it might mean this, and it might mean that. So, I, I yeah, I totally, I totally get that. We're the same way. Is it? You, yeah. you have to come to conspiracy normal with a little bit of knowledge, and I feel this. You know, yeah, and I don't think know, I don't I think the same thing. I don't think anyone's going to come to your show and be like, "Oh, what's a con what's a conspiracy?" <laughs> like, right, right. I've been meaning right, to check out what right. this whole like conspiracy theory paranormal <laughs> thing is all about. I think I'll yeah it, check out this. They'll explain. It, it does happen me. occasionally. I'm sure it does. I'm sure. Yeah. It does. yeah, 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 yeah. We can talk about that. And actually, I, I want to get into this with you, John, and also feel free, Kelly, because I feel like this is also kind of in your purview as well as being a more modern thing. You know, when um, I had John on back in April, we talked a little bit about, because he said something in the in his email that intrigued me about how conspiracy theory, which is something that, you know, Sergio and I talk, we talk a lot about, and we talk a lot about the nuances of it, and we talk about what that word means. He said something to me that said that it was really influenced by Christianity. And when I really sat down and thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's right. And we expounded a little bit about that. And then we talked about the, the Jesus mythicism. And John, I, I want to get your thoughts on that, of how this mm -hmm. conspiracy theory narrative that we see, especially in the United States, because yes, this is still a predominantly Christian nation, how that conspiracy theory narrative is in heavily influenced by and we should say that kelly i think you've written a book kind of about this so feel free to chime in on that yeah so it's funny because so i was listening to you your interview uh that Sarfield did with you um this afternoon and a lot of um your path has been like very very similar to to my own like i i was listening to like sort of the way that you talked about the different sort of phases of your life right and the way that your relationship with religion kind of panned out and all that sort of thing and like there, there were certain stops along the way and i was like oh that's me oh that's me and then like you would go in like a slightly different direction than me but then like you know we'd sort of come back to to very similar places like we were both talking about like that like listen bell around the same time right and for the same reason that we were like both working overnight and that's what was on and um so i found it really interesting like the way that you talked about your own um experience with religion and that like you seem to sort of instinctively understand that there is a relationship especially with christianity and sort of this conspiracist mindset right um and and how there is some overlap there um but you know i, I think that in terms of the way that the history of different sort of conspiracy um, 
movements and uh, um, different conspiracy theories, for lack of a better term, over the course of Western history uh, really traces back to Christianity. And that a lot of when you look at something like a QAnon, um, that a lot of it's or even as we talked about with Toby Ball, sort of the the sort of UFO hysteria movement, right, that there's a lot of echoes of very particularly like christian style religion there um and a lot of it is quite logical because because when you think about sort of where christianity was born it was born at a um in a, in a sort of soup of religious fervor and and um new ways of thinking and trying to address a uh you know insurmountable problem that was like nonstop oppression and sort of like the you know the giant looming uh thumb of the roman empire right mm-hmm. and, and and what it presented was very much like the definition of a conspiracy theory yeah. it said the reason this is all happening is because jesus is about to show up and it's all it's all god's plan and god planned this whole thing for um, this one event, this apocalyptic event that's going to change everything and bring about the new Jerusalem and everything else. And so, in fact, like God is conspiring to make this happen. And that's the explanation for it. Right. Think about that in terms of like QAnon and the storm. And it's exactly just kind of swap out some words and you have exactly the same thing. And, you know, I, I also think that again, Adam, like what was really interesting about your, your, your conversation was, the way that you were talking about sort of like these different narratives and sort of views really like shift the way that you understand everything else, right? There's a cascading effect between like when you think there is an afterlife and, uh, and there is a all powerful God, right? It changes everything about the way that you see the world. And, and I think a lot of, um, you know, when people fall into sort of like conspiracy theory rabbit holes, right? It does, it does the same thing. It, it, it really, it changes your perception of, of everything and everything has to, has to fit into, into that space. And I also think like one thing that's always been a <laughs> kind of uniquely funny about Christianity, right? Is the way that Christianity d- defines God and, and Christianity is this religion that created a monotheistic religion that was, intolerant of other religions that was you had to exclusively worship this one god and that of course creates a bunch of problems right because then you have to explain a lot of stuff that doesn't doesn't happen and why it doesn't doesn't happen i was thinking about this today because i think one of the one of the really interesting sort of um phenomenons like one of the one of the things that's happened over the last several years is the immersion of something called stuanon and i don't know if you guys know what that is um i'm happy to explain it to you if you if you don't um no no idea that do you know who Jim Stewart Stewartson is? Yes, I do. Okay, I so Jim Stewartson. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Jim Stewartson is a uh, deranged lunatic who has bullied and doxxed a bunch of my friends. And he is uh, a conspiracy theorist who believes that Mike Flynn is the person who's behind literally like everything bad that's ever happened and all of QAnon. Um, he has come to this conclusion through exactly the same ways that QAnon believers have come to their conclusions. And his sort of cult that's emerged out of this has all the same trappings, right, of, of QAnon. 
And what I think is really interesting about it is that the way that Jim Stewartson sort of presents Mike Flynn is exactly the same way that like right-wing conspiracists talk about the new world order or the way that Christians talk about God, which is at this at one, like the person behind everything is at once all powerful and has no limits and just is a, is a mastermind that can do anything and also hopelessly incompetent at the same time. Right. So, so for Jim Stewartson, like Mike Flynn is both this criminal mastermind who is behind this insurrection against the United States and must be arrested immediately enough. Nothing else matters. And also this like bumbling buffoon, um, who Jim Stewartson caught red handed. Right. Um, the new world order is all like you listen to Alex Jones and it's like the new world order is doing this and this and this and they're, they've got us and we're dead and it's over and like, you know, and they're 10 years behind and they're never going to catch us and we're winning now. It's like with God, it's like, here's this guy who can create universes and also like destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but like not prevent gay marriage or whatever. Right. You have to pray for that because he doesn't know what he's doing. He needs your help. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, well, he it's, does it's, send the hurricanes on. He sends the hurricanes. Right. He sends the hurricanes, but like can't stop kids from getting slaughtered by AR-15s in elementary schools, right? Like, that's just something that's beyond God's power somehow. Um, so there's this kind he's of, He's busy like, with the hurricanes. <laughs> he's busy with, yeah, sure. It's interesting because I think that the basic, the sort of, like, the the, the monotheistic God of, of Christianity, right, sort of trains the mind to think of power in this way. And even if you're not religious, then being sort of you know sort of i want to say like you know conditioned right to 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 think in that way makes it much easier for you to believe the inherent contradiction at the center of conspiracy theories which is that there is this incredibly powerful group who's controlling all of world events and can do anything but they also just like really bumbled this whole pandemic thing they like were trying to kill everybody but they screwed it up somehow and it's like well which is it, right? <laughs> it's it, it seems like an inherent contradiction. So I just like you, you you don't you don't see this same system of thinking like pre-Christianity, and you don't see it in like non-Christian religions. And also, there's no other world religion that really started as a cosmic conspiracy theory, right? It just didn't. Like Islam is close, but even Islam's genesis is quite different. It's not apocalyptic the way that christianity was right um and certainly like you know buddhism is is not right um real quick adam i want to say like i think that that has a lot to do with the relationship to the state like you had mentioned and to this occupying force yeah you know that this cosmic conspiracy the worldly powers are actually you know in league with these supernatural forces of darkness and so I think it primes our culture who's inherited all this to build these these meta narratives around the worldly powers being part of the satanic conspiracy. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, one of the big things, and you know, I did not say this in, in the last episode, but one of the big things that was always quoted among these fringe Christian groups that would talk about Nephilim and they would talk about aliens being demons and all these type of things, alien yeah. abduction being a yeah. demonic thing. They would always I think Ephesians five, the armor of God, 
where we oh. struggle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and, and principalities in the heavenly a, realms. A, a favorite of Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Right. That is, you know, <laughs> and, and that's exactly what Serville is talking about. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it has a tinge of Gnosticism that you are against the Archons. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely it. And the point that I was going to make is that there, there is a melodrama to Christianity. There is a ultimate good. There is an ultimate evil and they fight each other. And, you know, I mean, you can go back to Zoroastrianism for that. Right. Yeah. But that is, that is one of the things that is very prevalent and you're, you're right with like somebody like Jim Stewartson who I find his stuff very interesting, but I do see that like, I, I think Flynn has some major influence. Oh, Flynn sucks. Like, and like, he, yeah, I he definitely I does. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't think that he is like the complete mastermind. He's probably more of an opportunist than he yeah. is a mastermind. Yeah. But he is a psychological warfare officer. He does know what he's doing in that, in that respect. But right. But this is the thing, though, about conspiracy theory, and this is where I fall in, is that conspiracy theory is basically good against evil. It is the good. It is us against the bad people that are influenced by the people in the heavenly realm. And the big thing for me that really kind of changed my mind was the quote by Alan Moore, where he said that conspiracy theorists don't want to think about the fact that no one's in control. That is just chaos. There you've got all yeah. these. You've got all these different <laughs> groups against each other, and also conspiracy theory too. I mean, as we've talked about on the show, has been used as a propaganda tool, and it's used as a pro- as propaganda warfare now. Essentially, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlay live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc yeah 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 and look uh, to, to the point about flynn and i think this is also i'm glad you said that because this is a really important point as well right early christians were right that Rome was very powerful and like capable of exerting enormous oppression over people. Like that was true, right? It's also true that Mike Flynn is a scumbag and that Mike Flynn is uh, an expert in, you know, um, psychological warfare and disinformation and all this sort of thing. Right. Um, right. That he is a fascist and that he is anti democratic and that he is remarkably influential and has a giant platform and a ton of money. All those things are true. That doesn't make him Q. And it doesn't mean that you can like, bully him and have him arrested for crimes he hasn't committed because nothing he's done so far as far as we know like has been criminal and certainly jim stewartson has not like blown the lid off of this guy right 
but it's 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 exactly right you don't the the fear of it being nobody and like q ultimately at this point is nobody it, it q has has entered into has, has become a metastasized in so many different forms it's almost like protestant christianity now that it just sort of is whatever you want it to be um there isn't a q and it doesn't matter who it is even if there was right it's 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 like it's that's not the point but when you are so terrified of what it has done and i think that's you know jim stewartson's right to be terrified of what it's done but this isn't the fight and this isn't the battle and that's not how you're going to win it because that's not how it works that's not how you know that's not how conspiracism works it it just it's 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 it takes on a a religious angle it takes on a life of its own it is in the eye of the believer right and that and that is what makes it so terrifying because you can't really fight that and and you have to take much more complicated and nuanced approaches to it if you're going to right you, you can't be like hey man i know you're a christian but like we went to space and god's not there so you should stop believing in that now right like that's not going to work <laughs> that's you know what i mean like sure and and it, it might have shocked someone several thousand years ago to be like what do you mean god's not in space right but but it's not going to work anymore because that's not that's not it's silly to think that anybody would be like what um yeah i yes but i'm glad you brought that up because i think that's a really important point mike flynn sucks well, that could be and, true and i think honestly it's easier i think it's easier for us as human beings to compartmentalize things to Absolutely. say that there is an enemy and for jim stewartson apparently it's michael flynn that's his guy that's his nemesis and you know that's who he focuses on but the truth is actually scarier in the fact that jim that michael flynn is just one guy and there's many guys that are that are doing this mm -hmm. so yeah yeah for sure and it's like, actually that's, more frightening that's that's part of sort of the comfort of religion right or at least uh, yeah. especially religion through the christian framework is that there is there's this battle of good and evil that is like beyond your control but like probably the good guy is going to win in the end you just got to pick the right side right and like and and thinking of the reason why bad things happen is because of this force that we call evil right like yeah of course that's comforting because it makes makes you not have to think about the far more terrifying thought that like people do things for sometimes rational reasons or sometimes reasons that are like have to do with brain chemistry and have to do with like the way that they were abused growing up and all that sort of thing is really terrifying and difficult to grapple with and like i yeah of course it's appealing right that and and again i i think when we talk about why people become conspiracy theorists i know you guys know this perfectly well but like it has nothing to do with like how smart you are right i mean neither does like joining a cult it has everything to do with sort of emotional vulnerability and also you know sometimes you're right sometimes there was a conspiracy and um that's happened too so uh, sometimes Rome really is out to get you, <laughs> you know, and, and, well, uh, yeah. One of the things I found intriguing with Jim Stewart's and I'm, uh, and I want to kind of get Kelly's thoughts on all this in just a second, but one of the things that I really found intriguing was when he contrasted the QAnon prayer that he did with the Elizabeth Clare prophets prayer. I thought that was yeah. incredibly interesting. And 
you know, this is something that, you know, theosophy, we, we've talked a lot about the occult on this show. Yeah. 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 And like yeah. that's straight. I mean, ultimately you can draw that from, you know, her line <laughs> of belief from the, through the IM movement through, through theosophy. So I, I, I found that ex- that was extremely interesting. We're, we're going to cover theosophy at some point um, that came up with Shrina and, <laughs> and we're going to get there. Cause I think we both are um, really interested in talking about it. But the thing about that, Adam is like, that's because Mike Flynn's an idiot and someone gave him that prayer and said it was a Christian prayer. And he was like, oh, cool. And it sounds really possible up my yeah. alley. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to like, that's the much better explanation of why that happened. <laughs> or just cynical. Yeah. 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 Just yes. A cynical way. You know, it's not like there are, there are, that, yeah. Right. But if you believe that Mike Flynn is this like, deceptive mastermind who's into theosophy then like yeah of course that's where you're going to go with it right like that's even though that's probably not the best explanation of why i I think think the tactic there john is to say that okay this michael flynn that purports himself to be be this big christian he was at a church here in area not that long ago a few months ago okay i know where this church is purports to be a big christian Jim Stewartson is trying to say, well, he's not. Right. He's actually right. into this new age right. philosophy. <laughs> that, and and that's right. the tactic that's normally used. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but uh, look, yeah, of course. But uh, but then, uh, you know, I, I think he's also like he's a Catholic, too. So like scripture wouldn't even be a thing that he cares about because Catholics famously don't care about scripture. Could be wrong about that. But, you know, it's also like. <laughs> be wrong uh, about uh, that. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> I could be wrong, but Donald Trump. We can edit Second Corinthians as two Corinthians, right? So no, yes, no, you can keep that in. Yes. That's 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 fine. So yeah, I mean, yes, of course he's cynical. Of course he's full of shit. Like, absolutely. But it's it's like, I mean, Jim. Like people knew about that a long time ago. <laughs> like, you know, it's not. It's not yeah, like I just, break, I, I breaking just news. Thought, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Like, it, it, it definitely is really, really interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm blocked by Jim Stewartson, so I, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't speak. To I'll send you screenshots. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Kelly, I want to get your thoughts on some of this that we that we've been talking about. Oh my gosh, it's been a whirlwind. Like what how Christianity I? informs <laughs> conspiracy. Christianity I informs conspiracism. I well, because you, know, you have sure, go. gospel yeah. according to the plan, which we are gonna have you back on to talk yeah, about more. Yeah. Depth. And so, I feel that, you know, the clan, I mean Yeah. You can't yeah. get I mean, they thought Battle for good and evil woodwork against them. Yeah. The soul of the nation at stake. Right. right? I mean, this is one of the things that I talk about in the book and we can talk about more later, but you want to talk about folks that were convinced that they were locked in a battle of good and evil because they were going to be the people that were going to save white Christian America from everyone else was the Klan in the 1920s um, and very much concerned about Catholics, right? Who are going to take over very much concerned about Rome and the Pope, right? Having some sort of political power. Um, But again, it's, you know, that they saw people out to get them everywhere, you know, threats in local government, threats in state government, national government, um, threats in their neighborhood, right? You can't trust folks who aren't white Christians um, 
in your neighborhood, right? So don't go to specifically a deli. Protestant, right? Uh, Protestant, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. right. Catholics wouldn't count, right, as Christian yeah. in yeah. their um, in their rendering. But I mean, it it was just so much a part of how they understood themselves and walked around in their day to day that everybody is an enemy if you don't look like them and believe like them and act like them. And so much of that kind of conspiratorial mindset in that, um, and in that book in particular about who, who wasn't against them really is <laughs> sort of the open question in that book. It's like, who did they not have pick a fight with or have right. some kind of um, argument with? And they picked those fights. So it's kind of like a, they did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, that's the thing is um, the clan in the twenties wanted to claim that they were both, um, you know, in charge of themselves and like on the front lines of this fight, but they also wanted to be the victims of everything. And I think that falls with under that conspiratorial mind view too, right? Like that they very much want to say that they're, in charge and on top. And then as soon as something goes wrong, they want to say that they're the victims, right? That somebody is out to get them and that you don't understand the powers that be are always monitoring them. They're always under some sort of watch. They're always being threatened that very much out of the 1920s playbook. I mean, there's a really funny chapter in there about how they get into a fight with Notre Dame students where they go to Notre Dame and then Notre Dame students actually come at them and they're not ready for it. It was one of my funnest chapters to write because it's just one of those <laughs> things where it's like, what did you expect was going to happen when you went after college students? Like, did you not see that this was going to go wrong in some sort of way? Um, but it just shows how like also unprepared they are for real like action. <laughs> Like they're just not, they're very good at the talking piece of this kind of stuff. They were not necessarily good at some of the follow through. Um, So the rhetoric piece um, of what they're doing is pretty strong um, game, but sometimes the real life battles they didn't do so well in, especially now that we've been in internet culture where people are pretty tough Mm -hmm. on um, the internet streets, but maybe not as tough. You always have the conspiracy to blame for all your failures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, And that's very much part there too of what they're doing is that when things went wrong, it's not because of them. It's always someone else to blame, right? That something has gone wrong. You can't take individual responsibility for it. Um, And I feel like that definitely carries through um, to contemporary white supremacist far right movements as well everybody's to blame except for them right with some of those contemporary movements um what kind of trends do you all think people should really pay attention to yeah so i'll just say that so our episode that's probably going to be pretty concurrent with whenever this goes up um we we talked to our our buddy brad anishi um about christian nationalism um from a bunch of different points of view um yeah it's very serious i i I certainly have seen it get a lot worse um in in recent years there has been a you know speaking of conspiracy theories um frankly a conspiracy of uh far-right anti-democratic christian nationalists over the last several decades um 
you know, and this ties directly into the John Birch Society and that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, to, to put, you know, sort of um, anti-democratic Christian nationalists in positions of power in various institutions. And um, it is it is now we're, we're, we're seeing the fruits of that labor. Um, I'm very, very concerned. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure you know, January 6th is something that you can look at from a bunch of different perspectives, but certainly one of them is is as a uprising of Christian nationalism. Um, then you have to sort of, though, I, I think, you know, place that against the rise of, you know, the so-called nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. We need a different word for that, by the way, because we already have a religion word that's nuns and like we, it's whatever. But uh, the people who identify as no religion and no no affiliation um, is rising steadily as well. Um, and it's just really hard to sort of decide whether or not this is sort of a sort of a a spasm of a time that we're dealing with or a trend um towards something very dark and disturbing i i but i think the way that you look at sort of like i mean you know to be determined as to how kind of the next big election is going to factor in to this but the 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 um the 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 fever of abortion bans across the country right um is part of that i don't think we've seen quite what the punchback is yet um and i think we'll know quite a bit more in 2024 but certainly nothing um conclusive but as you know as 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 our friend megan goodwin says you know religion religion's not over you even if you're over religion and uh as soon as you think you are um that's where you run into trouble uh, uh i don't know kelly what do you what, what would you what would you say to that yeah i would say look to florida right i yeah. mean i i feel like i'm living in the middle of a, a white christian nationalist um just kind of legislative oh i don't even know what to call it um legislative theocracy. chaos <laughs> yeah i don't know theocracy um you know yeah. we had a legislative <clears throat> session that was particularly bad um, when it came to LGBTQ rights, um, with um, concerns over abortion bans, also still there and still present with Florida coming down pretty hard on that. Um, we have DeSantis flirting with Nazi imagery um, right now, which is a current controversy, even though the staffer was fired. Um, but that he's really kind of played out, um, our governors really kind of played with these ideas and tested them out here. And so, you know, there's kind of chatter about, you know, is Florida a testing ground? I really hope not, you know, for a larger national campaign, um, for these kinds of tactics. Um, as someone who lives here, I hope that's not the case, right? I'm really hoping that we do get a lot of pushback and a lot of momentum and a lot of organizing. And there is organizing happening on the ground here against this kind of stuff. Um, but I'm really kind of curious as to and what that's going to look like um, since 2024 is not just around the corner. We're still moving through this election cycle that feels endless, but um, to see what that's going to kind of look like, I think is going to be one of our markers of what's going on with this white Christian nationalism and where it's moving from. Um, I, you know, Brad, um, who we had on was somewhat optimistic 
but not super optimistic. Yeah. Like he was more yeah. optimistic than I was where I just kind of sighed protractively and laid on the floor. But like, um, you know, I think that that's something to pay attention to that we have to take seriously that there are already states that are testing this stuff out, right. And yeah. legislative sessions that have already like veered in directions that are dangerous and um, that are targeting certain people so that we have well, to pay attention to that. You know, uh, Sergio today, um, he sent me a article. Well, it actually was a video democracy now did on these. I think the state of Indiana is trying, or it might be the other way around. I think, people from Kentucky are going to Indiana to get abortions yeah, and that they're seeking out basically the names of these people from Kentucky. Yeah. That if you cross the state line and you go get an, a woman gets an abortion in Indiana, then she could still, the implication there is that these people, these attorney generals looking at this could possibly prosecute them for murder yeah and this is something yeah. that i and they will that i responded to him that is analogous to something like the fugitive slave act in which a uh, part of the compromise of 1850 in which the basically it said that you know slaves were okay if they crossed the ohio river or the mason dixon line but after the fugitive slave act which is part of the compromise they could send slave hunters to go and pick these people up in the north mm -hmm. and that was something that was that was the road to the civil war right there i mean that was essentially essentially that remind right right away reminded me of that so i mean yeah. it, there is there is there is room for concern here you know yeah oh, oh there's lots of room for concern and and like one of those i think one of those sort of um reasonable assumptions is that we are heading towards a civil war or that we're in one right now and it just looks very different from you know you know boys in the battlefield of you know the 19th century because obviously yeah. we're not going to have that kind of civil war um i also like the thing that i would also sort of urge people to consider is is that you know one of the ways that sort of conspiratorial thinking and even religious thinking sort of trains us to do is assume that there's going to be a point where everything's fine now um where the good guys do win and then we move on into the sunset and i'll just live happily ever after um and that's just not how history works and that's just not how humanity works we are always going to be fighting against the forces of like anti-democratic theocrats it is it is never going to end it's just sort of like how much influence do you have at any given time right is 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 the question and i think one of the things that kind of got us here is a is a kind of a complacency among people to say like you know well they're never coming back and we we are that's that's not who we are anymore and it's the 21st century and we're we're all good now and we really i mean there are people i think like like me and kelly who've been like screaming about like no 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 they're very much there and they very much want to bring us back to the 17th century um but you know when you look at liberals who were surprised that the court overturned roe and i'm like what how the fuck were you surprised by that it's yeah. you know i i think it's really important to take from what's happening right now as a lesson to say we are going to be fighting for people's rights forever there is not going to be a right. time where people aren't going to try to take them away 
we are in a dark part of that fight right now. Um, but but we always there isn't a there isn't a there isn't a storm there isn't a great awakening it's not going to happen right um we have to fight forever and uh it's just a we are we are we are several steps <laughs> back right now um yeah. Well, yeah i think it's a constant process i mean since the civil war the first one i i think That's since fun. then <laughs> yeah. i think i think that um it has been a constant you know, step. It has been a cause of progress. And that's, yeah, that's just how it's been. Um, to kind of address the idea of how, what form a civil war would take. I mean, I, I honestly think, in my opinion, and I've said this before on the show, that I feel like it'll be like Northern Ireland. Insurgency. model that yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a reasonable thing to think. But also, I mean, Northern Ireland didn't have the internet, and I think there's a there's an information part of it that <laughs> right that is that is different now in terms of yeah. the way that we win right. battles, um, and that you win ideologically and you win informationally, and um, that's the one thing that maybe Alex Jones has been right about <laughs> that we are in an information war, and uh, yeah, uh, I I, will, I, I feel will. like I feel like the right is winning that I really yes. do. Oh, they definitely um, are. Well, they have religion on their more on their side, and I think that's a yeah. big part of it. It's mythopoetic, yeah. you know. It's like yeah. it, it's it's hard to win against folks like that with like rationalism and secularism. And, well, and the right, well, the right, the right dumped and lost billions and billions of dollars into right wing radio over the last several decades for that purpose. They like they knew it was a losing. Right. It wasn't a, it wasn't a profitable enterprise, but it was. This is what they got from it, right? And like the left didn't. We had Air America for like five years or whatever. Yeah. Like look how well that went, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, Sergio, he lived in Nashville for a long time. He's in the Seattle area now. Uh, so Kelly and I are in the South. Uh, John, you're in Massachusetts. Yeah, where I mean, it's safe. What's the difference that you feel regionally? Mm. Do you feel like, like you just said, John, do you feel like you're safer in Massachusetts than you would be in Tennessee or Florida? And yeah. Serviel, you know, do you feel you'd, you're safer in Washington? I mean, you know, like, you know, it feels very much like they're the regionally, it is still. Yeah, it's it's not north and south anymore either, right? And that's another reason why there won't be a kind of clean civil war um, ever again. I don't think it is incredibly sort of you know balkanized in in, in how these sort of ideological um, pockets right sort of exist, um, and then also in like you know con- like efforts by the right to occupy certain states. Right. I mean, like the story of Idaho in the last in the last decade or so. Right. It's sort of part of that story. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I always sort of jokingly think of New England as like its own sort of, you know, independent state um, free from the insanity of the rest of the country. But well, yeah, the Hartford always... Convention had succeeded, you know, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's not always true. It's not just like everybody here isn't just like a bright blue, you know, leftist. And um, yeah, uh, I haven't seen anything that concerns me structurally, right, about sort of this region. Um, but certainly, like, if there's another trump administration yeah i think it's i don't like i don't think with 
you know, Trump without handcuffs, so to speak, is is who knows uh, what could happen. Um, states and regions only have so much autonomy uh, at the end of the day. And um, uh, again, it's sort of I'm trying to live in 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 now as much as possible and not and not terrify myself about the future um, too much. But uh, it can be it can be hard to do sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that Trump and handcuffs that that will be the insurgency that that's what I'm. Oh, most well, Trump and literal handcuffs. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Which brings us to the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, right? Naturally. Naturally. So, uh, Kelly, I wanted to ask you about your book that you wrote yeah. about the concept of zombie apocalypse and how it kind of reflects American culture in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 So I was um, interested in writing about people that believed in the zombie apocalypse and thinking through um, what that might mean about American culture, particularly about violence in American culture. And unsurprisingly, when I got into it, um, it was folks who imagined that, the only way the world was going to get better is for the world to get worse and be destroyed. And then maybe if we started over, it would be better. Maybe not, but at least we would have zombies and zombies are fun. Right. (laughs) So, um, so it's a book about um, folks who are sort of hoping for that violent end with zombies, that they are really looking forward to that moment when the zombie apocalypse occurs. You finally get to have your guns out. You get to use those survival skills. You get to do this kind of stuff. Um, doesn't matter if you're not trained. Doesn't matter if you don't know what you're doing. Right. But it's that like glorified fantasy that you have that you could rock the zombie apocalypse if you had this chance. Right. And that our world is so broken and so not worthwhile that this will be our chance to actually like live some sort of glorious future in the ruins or something like that. Um, so yeah, so it was a wild, it's a wild project um, that really got me thinking about the ethics of violence and why, why in the world people really wanted zombies to happen so desperately. Um, and, and of course, then you get down the rabbit hole of people that believe that the CDC knows that zombies are happening, right? Or that there's somehow footage of zombies that have already occurred, or, you know, that there's some sort of something somewhere in some lab, right? That could do this. Or it's the little ants whose brains have been inhabited by a fungus that'll eventually transfer to humans, right? Bing, bing, bang. And then we'll have zombies and this is how it'll happen. Um, but yeah, I know it was, it was an interesting project to get into that and to kind of work through why Americans love the end of the world so much and what that says about us, right? That we would rather hit the like, awful like end restart button then we would actually like to work towards collective change together is the is the essence of a lot of that like a dehumanization oh yeah oh yeah of, of yeah the other? um one of the things that i talk about is who becomes zombies right most commonly in these um scenarios and who people actually want to kill so yeah, a lot of the book really is about wholesale 
you know, slaughter. Slaughter, yeah. No longer human and you can right. just unleash violence. And then you can do whatever you want to, right? If they're no longer human. And so, yeah, so I have a whole chapter on like, America and guns, right? And like how guns are tied to wholesale destruction. Um, and uh, I started writing pieces of it a few years after Newtown um, and the mass shooting there. And then unsurprisingly, just after the series of school shootings, I mean, it's kind of endless, right? That you could kind of comment on this. Um, partially because one of the things that I did is I watched a documentary on zombie doomsday preppers, which is a real thing. Folks that are explicitly prepping for zombie doomsday. Um, and they were talking about how they would like shoot their kids in the face if they turned into zombies. And I was just like, Whoop, time, time out, right? Like something's going on here if this is how we'll talk right? Or if this is how we think, or if we have no problem taking these people that are supposed to be super precious to us, right? And that they could become that dehumanized that we wouldn't have a problem, like talking about them in this way, or even acting in this way. So yeah. um, So as a project, it's all about how we other people and how we dehumanize them and what that allows us to get away with. And why people want to fantasize about that, right? As the the ethics piece for me, as I was like, why do we want to think in these ways? What does it tell us about our culture? Nothing really nice, right? It's not a happy book. I don't write happy books, but like, it's not a happy book. So um, yeah. Wow. I was exposed a little bit because, you know, I was a huge Walking Dead fan. I, I love mm-hmm. The Walking yeah. Dead. You know, I mean, not mm. not so much the later years. I finished it. I waited till it was on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I was familiar with that fandom. and And it is really a very kind of rural based kind of fandom, very kind of conservative fandom. It's very similar in a lot of ways to things that Serfiel and I have noticed about the Bigfoot community. Oh, interesting. That's, that's a whole other. I, that's a whole other thing. I mean, huh. people. A, a lot of, of of really kind of right wing rural people have adopted Bigfoot as this interesting symbol. But I I did notice that I did notice that 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 this was a thing, but I didn't really think anything of it. I mean, I guess people always take things to extremes, but I mean, I um I remember Alex echoing some of this um because i used to listen to alex jones a lot and i remember alex jones echoed the whole idea of the zombie apocalypse that the people in the cities when they run out of drugs they're going to come after you and they're going to come to the rural areas and they're going to come get your shit and that's basically that that was the kind of stuff that he would harp on Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. you're right in in a lot of ways. And Walking Dead actually did something very clever in one of their episodes. There was an episode; it was in the middle of the fifth season, and they did an episode where there was this blur between what was going on the show and what in reality. And they had Andrew oh, yeah. Lincoln who, who yeah. played uh, who played Rick in the show. He's actually. Yeah you can hear these radio broadcasts that 
this character that is dying is hallucinating and listening to and he is hearing these things where he's talking about killing these people this mass genocide and all this as if what is happening in the walking dead wasn't actually happening that it was this psychosis that was going on and they were actually killing living people and they were actually committing genocide right and i thought that was right, an interesting yeah. technique that they used in that in that episode yeah it, they did some interesting things we talked about the walking dead a little bit when we talked about uh, the last of us and and you know addressed some of these points as well and actually like one thing that kelly said there i think is also important speaking of alex jones is that alex jones quite recently actually i think said that he was prepared to murder his own children rather than hand them over to the, to the new world order um thing, and that yeah. you and and that you should you should do the same like be prepared to murder your children um because that's the courageous thing to do and not let wow. the new world order have them right and just like swap out zombies and 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 that's that right and it's this sort of it's this nameless faceless you know entity that's coming for you and and um never seems to get around to it but yeah uh it's it's a very it's a terrifying sort of militant um ideology that it that it that it tends to breed um which is why i think like the last of us is interesting because it 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 tries to center itself around humanity so much more right and and um ask some pretty interesting questions about like how people really would operate um that i think the walking dead takes a much more sort of bleak uh sort yeah. of realistic view of but all yeah, that's that, all religion. <laughs> that was, and, and of course, you guys talked about this in your one of your episodes that there was the religion episode mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. The Last of Us. Yeah, I thought I, you know, I, you know, I don't play video games, so I wasn't familiar with the video game. Yeah, us either. I thought that The Last of Us was really was was a really good take on what something could more realistically look like. Yeah, because at least in yeah. The Last of Us, like in Walking Dead, society has completely collapsed. In Walking so Dead, yeah, in The Last of Us, there's still authority. Yeah, it's still there. Right. right. Yeah. You know, it's in yeah. pockets, but it's still it's still pretty much there. And yeah. I thought that that was an interesting concept, and that people were more. It was a little more. I think you guys are right. A little more realistic in a way. Yeah. But that's fascinating yeah. about that, about the zombie apocalypse idea. Yeah. Our, our running joke at my house is like how quickly the zombie apocalypse like destroys everything, right? Like that it's just super sudden that like people just fall apart, you know, um, pretty quickly. Yeah. And then, and then there are no spoons for some reason. No right. one can find <laughs> spoons anywhere in any of these like films so all i the made this too all the silverware side. vanishes for some reason i don't know why but like it's gone you- i mean and we gotta we gotta resort to eating uh pudding with our fingers like Ron we do we do yeah. that's what happens what do you think the appeal is of that concept for a lot of I think a lot of people sort of imagine that they're going to be the hero in the story that they really think that what's going to happen is that they're suddenly going to learn how to use a gun they're suddenly going to be able to identify which plant that they can eat that they're going to be able to render gasoline from pig fat or something like this right that they're just going to magically get these skills and then they're going to be the ones that like 
survive in this yeah. apocalyptic scenario where there are so many people gone and it's a new West, right? They're going to go out and conquer. They're going to be on top, right? Like they're going to do it. Um, and I just, I think that that's part of the like longstanding appeal is that you're going to finally be the one in charge, right? And you're in charge of your destiny and you don't work anymore and you don't have to answer to a boss and you don't have to deal with all these other sorts of things, right? I watch enough of this stuff that I know that like, I'm like a middle-aged white lady who is also a feminist who has two loud kids. Like I know I'm going right. Like it's just going to happen. Like <laughs> I'm gone like super quick. Right. Like first like yeah. scene, like it's not going to work. But I think for a lot of people that they've just kind of imagined this like glory days that they're going to have ahead of them and that that's how it's going to work out. And I just think that realistically, <laughs> That's not the way it works, but like the fantasy yeah. of that, right, is a lot of fun. Um, and that's what I found with my book is that there are a lot of people that the fantasy is a lot of fun and that people spend a lot of money prepping for that too. Did you yeah. interview some of these people? Did you like, so, so I didn't do, I did a little bit of interviewing. I did a lot of like just researching and checking out what people were doing. So um, tiny bit of interviewing. Um, I really thought at some point that I was going to do like a preppers weekend sort of thing. And then I remembered that like, I don't like the outdoors and I can't run. <laughs> and so it was not worth my while to like keep up with doomsday preppers as they like got dropped yeah. off in the woods somewhere and this sort of thing. Um no, I think if I did it over, I would do more interviews, but um, I just, I didn't spend a ton of time with doomsday preppers for lots of reasons. As a popular culture motif, do you feel that the zombie apocalypse has kind of run its course? Because I, I definitely, <laughs> you know? I, when The Last of Us came out, I was like, oh my God, so this I know is you but deal. I gave it a chance. This is the deal. I always think we have to be done. Like, right? Like Disney has made movies about zombies, right? Like it has to be over at this point if Disney has made movies about zombies. And then like something else pops up that actually kind of works. Cause I felt the same way about the last of us where I was like, come on, like one more thing, like one more thing, like it can't be real. And then I was like, damn it. It's actually good. Right. Like, and yeah. I watched all of it and I liked it. So I would hope that it's like run its course, but I'm always wrong about this. There always seems to be something that pops. Like you can't get rid of this genre. Like it won't go away. Or, um, like auto tune sounds like yeah yeah i right? mean adam like i i think you know part of it is the, the question that you asked about the appeal right i think it is just endlessly appealing that that there's something like profoundly kind of gratifying about this narrative you know i think about to like the the you know giant meteor 2016 bumper stickers of people who were like neither trump nor hillary clinton just a giant meteor and of course that's sarcastic and everything but it's it's not entirely sarcastic like there's something about it of this desire for it's it's kind of rooted in the same as like the fantasy of make america great again right where it's sort of like you're not saying when again is or what it looks like you just sort of know that there was this like 
time when things were different and men were men and could like protect the children and be the heroes and the action heroes and everything else and also like there weren't like cell phones and like barbie movies everywhere and so you know if it takes a meteor or zombies to make that happen then great i mean there's something about that narrative where there's a lot to it but i think the appeal is similar to that like taking your desk and just like shoving everything off of it sort of thing or like Mm -hmm. burning your house down because it's messy right that sort of same kind of fantasy and again i think this is very rooted in the way that we think about sort of the the way that religious narratives play out right that the idea of like the new jerusalem the idea of the apocalypse right right it 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 yeah. is it is immensely even even if it requires a lot of turmoil and death and destruction, right? It's immensely satisfying because it's not this shit, <laughs> and like that I think is is part of why it's so appealing. That that there's something about the kind of utopian fantasy that we instinctively know isn't real, and so the different world has to be sort of gritty and violent, but in some ways it's like it gets us back to our like. You know, yeah, natural noble whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah same with so, game of thrones right it's the similar sort of thing it's like watching that sort of gritty violent like pre-technology world has that same kind of appeal to it it's um it, it makes us think how much you know sort of how static and 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 kind of you know, disconnected we feel like we've become and and so, you know yeah so sit these people sit these people down these people that want the zombie apocalypse make them watch two movies make them watch threads yeah and make them watch the road and i think it might be the road is a great idea that's a good one right yeah i don't know if you yeah we'll take our enormous sway in hollywood and and make sure that yeah (laughs) these are two movies that i will never watch again but are incredibly impactful so, absolutely yeah just saying <laughs> yeah anybody but, that likes the fantasy of the apocalypse like i feel like you should just hand them a copy of the road right like yeah, just be like yeah. here right good luck you'll you won't anymore r.i.p cormac mccarthy well well whenever whenever you know everybody was talking about the new social media thing threads my ptsd flared i hate it so much ever seen that movie you ever seen that no i I haven't either and i'm just gonna skip i'm just gonna pass it's yeah (laughs) vladimir putin needs to watch it um so (laughs) guys this has been this has been incredible i really have enjoyed you guys being on um yeah thanks for having us and we appreciate it yeah thank you for coming on please tell us where we can find pod only knows and where we can find you guys and kelly we will start with you Oh, um, pod only knows you can find where you find other podcasts. That's right, John. Yes. That's what I yeah, can say on Apple. Look for pod only knows. Look, yeah. look for pod only knows. Um, you can find, oh man, you can find me <laughs> on what used to be Twitter, but I'm not calling it anything else. I'm not calling it that. Um, <laughs> no, never call it. Well, never, that's, never, a, that's our show policy. We're I'm never fucking calling never it X. Calling it X. Until it um, dies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on when I'm still calling Twitter um, at Kelly <laughs> underscore J underscore Baker, um, 
And let's see, you can also find me on a variety of other social media with that same handle. So I think that's also my threads handle where I'm (laughs) just, uh, we're trying in this like Twitterless world to like get along. Um, So that's where you can find me. Um, And then on Blue Sky, my handle is Kelly J Baker. So if you're happen to be over there too, I'm spending some time there trying to figure out that ecosystem as well. In the age of 30 million Twitter impersonators, (laughs) you can find me on some. Where can everyone find your books? Oh, right. we should mention that. Okay, yeah. so you can find my books on uh, if you like big corporations on Amazon, and if you want to shop uh, more local, bookshop.org. So you can find them on either of those spaces. Awesome. All right, All right. John. You're up. We should add though too that uh, Kelly will be coming on um, in a few episodes to talk about. Her book gospel according to the clan so sophia and i will be digging into that book and uh i'm sorry we'll be talking to her about <laughs> that, so. and, and john where can people find you uh i am on the artist formerly known as twitter at uh probably real jb that's all one word um i'm trying to spend more time just on blue sky um i'm there just at john brooks that's my handle uh you can find me there if you're on blue sky and if you're not then uh i just gave out two invitations so um next time i get some let me know and i'll i'll give you an invitation to blue sky because i'm trying to get everybody over there because it's a it's a weird and kind of stupid place and uh but there's less nazis so it it has it has it going for it for for it there and and both of you by the way i i've over the last you know, several appearances on the show uh, come to realize that you both have some pretty interesting stories to tell about your own religious journeys. So you should come on our show at some point and, and talk should. about them. We'd love to. We'd love, we'd love to. to hear. Yeah, uh, anytime. Love to hear yeah. your thoughts. Um, you know, I learned quite a bit about Adam today. So yeah, yeah I really wanted to <laughs> to start uh, putting putting ourselves and our stories out there too. Yeah, awesome. yeah, it's great. Really enjoyed it. I will so, be interviewing um, Sir Phil next week. Uh, thanks, Sir guys. Phil, you can. T- Thank you. Uh, you can tell us everybody where they can find uh, our Patreon, and uh, they can see they can see John's excellent presentation. Yes, if you join the Mystic Crew of Conspiracy Normal at the ten dollars pledge level, you can see John's presentation as well as a pretty good catalog of uh, other presentations as well uh, that we try to do every month. I think we're uh, skipping it this month. Uh, got a lot of planning ahead for the larger Strange Realities Conference, but uh, we try to have those monthly Strange Reality streaming events as much as possible. Uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash conspiranormal to find out more about that. All right, guys, uh, we will go ahead and close out the show. Thank you so much for listening. Just a couple of announcements. Strange Realities Conference is coming up November 3rd through the 5th. November 3rd to the in Nashville, Tennessee, and November 5th online. I want you guys to come to Nashville, enjoy, and be a part of that. If you can't, come be a part of it online. And also, as part of the Strange Realities family, Nevaeh's Nightmare YouTube channel. Check that out as well. And guys, we will be back next week. I'm going to interview Sir Fiel on Conspiracy Normal. <laughs>